welcome to Contextualize. Hey, hey. It's another awesome day in East Tennessee. Man, this is a good week. <laughs> it's great. It, it really is nice. It is. And I'm thinking the beauty of the outside because I love sitting in your office and looking out the big window. Yeah. But I'm also thinking it's pretty great just in this office. Uh-huh. Up on the third floor. Oh, yeah. We got activity going on. Lots of on. going on. Yeah. There's women's Bible study downstairs. Oh, I, I, that's right. Yeah. Men I mean, I were this they, morning. They might be done, but I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. And there's we, lots going on. There's a, a representative that is working on construction outside of our building with the city, talking to us about parts of the project. And, and the dudes outside are putting up little walls in the park pathway. I mean, it's the work that the construction work they're doing right now outside the building is very exciting yeah it's quick impact it's kind of like putting drywall up or studs up and then the rest of the project slows down again yeah oh look at that um to that to that point if you've not seen the big picture and you've also not seen our third floor offices come up to the third floor on sunday morning yeah go through the stairs walk toward the front of our building and look down and you will see what that actual park looks like from a bird's eye view yeah it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very helpful. Um, pretty neat. Well, let's talk about some big picture things that are connected to what we'll look at in Genesis 18, 19. Yeah. Let's talk about big picture as far as interpretation. So even this morning when we did our word work in the Gospel of Matthew, mm-hmm. sometimes we teach or study smaller sections of Scripture, sometimes bigger. Like what's, yeah. why would you, I mean, let's, what's yeah. the benefit? Right, I'd I mean, say. it's the old, it's the classic analogy of the forest and the trees. Okay. Right? And, um, or you could even say the forest and the leaves. <laughs> that, right, sometimes there, there is benefit in focusing in on the details because you, you see things that are really there. And, right, the details matter, uh, right? Part of right, what we believe, it, this came up somewhere else in conversation this week, like plenary inspiration of Scripture means that every single word is inspired. It's there by God. It's not, it's not just the big stuff. Um, and so you can see little details that sometimes carry a lot of freight. Totally right? agree. But then sometimes... You get so focused on the details, you can tell me all about the leaf, but you have no idea about the forest that it exists in. And, and so, really, we need both, and they inform each other. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to give a quick little illustration of that in my other comment. If you stand outside in the parking yeah. lot and watch the guys <laughs> laying brick, it looks like they're doing certain things. If you come and yeah. look from my office, you see something else that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in a second, when we get into 18, 19, uh-huh. we're going to talk about a large section of Scripture. We will not yep. have every verse. There's benefit to that. Yep. Now let me say something about the big the big idea, big picture of this podcast. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my family about it, and I'm thankful our kids listen to it, uh, the ones that are able to do so. And it makes for a lot of fun discussion. And one of the things that I was reminded of last discussion I had was we're trying to make observations and we're trying to, in some regards, enjoyably talk about them, but also seriously as regards some sort of a broader biblical context. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also very different than taking hours to study something yeah. and yeah. getting into the the intricate details of it. Yeah. yeah. So intentionally, we haven't done that. Right. Which is right. why I'm not even that apologetic when we make a mistake or see an observation. And Some of these like, things we're, oh, wait just, a we're discovering, like we're walking the path and just seeing it as we go. Right. And that's, know, that's the okay. joy that's of reading the Bible on your own yeah. is yeah. to say, man, I'm just going to make some observations. I might even formulate some connections in my head that I have not fully thought through. Yeah. The danger of the podcast we're doing is we will, I will, especially me. AJ's <laughs> never endangered by what my, he might say. Um, That's not true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, there's some things that I have said that I, not just in this podcast, but in life, that I haven't fully thought them through. Yeah. Um, 
And verbal processing is something we mature our way through. Yeah. But in this podcast, it's actually almost the point that we're trying to do that and record it. We, we are, yeah. We're purpose. thinking out loud together. Yeah. yeah. So again, big picture stuff, not just the big picture of studying larger sections of Scripture to get the big picture. Yeah. The big picture of this podcast is it is very different than you or me, or in this case, this week, Jeff Palmiter, yeah. studying deeply yeah. to say, how would I preach this? Do I really understand verse 17? How does that connect with this? Uh-huh. We're uh-huh. not doing that. Right. And there is also a benefit in trusting the observations we will see, yeah. asking for God's help to see Christ in and through the text of Scripture, yeah. and running with it, but not always yeah. knowing exactly how we would run if we kept running more deeply yeah. Yeah. and studied right. longer. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, and I'll say even, uh, hopefully... There are some things that we may lean into or mention as we talk that for those listening, we may not fully go down that path, but we may point out a path that you might walk down and be interested in. And that's great. Um, the other thing I'll say is thinking about just the idea of, of details and big picture and thinking about that. When we think about big picture, there's there's multiple layers of the bigness of the picture, if you will. So, oh, yeah. And this will come up in this text. So this is be really helpful. But you can kind of think, well, how does this little paragraph fit into the story that's kind of these couple chapters? Well, how does that story then fit into the whole book? That's right. And then how does that fit into the whole Bible story? Yep. And what we're going to look at today, we can really trace it to those different concentric circles there. You keep going. So, yeah, and, and there's reason to keep going because there may not be clarity in the smallest section. Right. There's reasons to stop and say, we need to really understand the small section in order to then make sense of it later when it yep. comes up. So it just yep. depends on where we're at and what yep. we're studying. That's great. Cool. So, um, Oh, last thing. That's just small stuff. Okay. We have had a few faxes and Pony Express. We're still waiting on Pony Express. Yeah, yeah. There have been a few messages. <laughs> and right now, no one has said to me, keep doing only audio. Well, we, we had one person say, I won't listen to it. Or I won't, sorry, I won't watch it. We did say. You know. I don't know why anybody would say, don't make a video. <laughs> video is terrible. <laughs> You're right. I guess we have had a few saying that will not be my medium. Yeah. But they have been a few others saying. The video would be great. We want to see what it looks like when you're yeah. caught dead. Yeah. They're just <laughs> such good looking dudes. That's, no. Yeah. It'll be, it'd be fun if we did video. We'll see. So, but yeah, if you have an opinion on that, if you want to see video, let us know. Awesome. So. Got it. All right. So, last podcast, we talked about right the Lord telling Abram, Abraham and Sarah, this time next year, you're going to have a boy. His name's going to be Isaac because you're, you're laughing because it's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. And that boy, Isaac, is going to be the one through whom the covenant promises continue. So that was last last week. Uh, this week, man, we're going to go from 1816 all the way through the end of chapter 19. So we are covering some territory here. We're doing what some people wish we were doing in the Gospel of Matthew, but we probably won't. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> so um, we're covering a lot of ground, and uh, just I'm going to try to do this real quick, and you help. Hey, if I you do play-by-play. Play, I'll do color commentary. There we go. That's right. Uh, so... It picks up on the scene, right? There's those three men. They come to Abram, Abraham. They're talking to him. Uh, he started talking to the Lord. Uh, but then we, we find out that those men go, and the Lord's talking about what he's going to do to Sodom to pour out judgment there. We see Abraham intercede uh, for them, and we'll talk about that. 
But then the next scene is they go, the angels, the two angels go to Sodom. They meet Lot and then really un... I mean, it's not unspeakable because it's here, but just gross sin and immorality takes place there. And then uh, really with this note of urgency, those angels take Lot and his family out of the city and then God pours down his judgment upon them. And then the final scene, uh, again, not a comfortable section of scripture to read, but we read about Lot and his daughters and we'll, we'll get into that. But that's, that's what happens. Yeah, so we're going to basically... There's, there's the forest. <laughs> the forest is... It was a lot of gross stuff in Sodom, and God yeah. mercifully rescued. Yeah. So... Very mercifully, because yeah. Lot put his family in that predicament in the first right, place. Right, right. Yeah. And so we, we see strong themes of judgment, but also strong themes of mercy right intermingled in this text. Um. There's so much we see, though. I mean, we see Abraham, inter- Abraham intercede. intercede. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, I mean, there's, there's just so much in this. So, let's just jump into that, right? Because the, the beginning, uh, like the Lord says, that the great outcry has come up about Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is very grave. Yep. And he says, I'm going to go check it out. And so that's what's happening. But as the men, and, and this is, you know, we, we talked earlier, um, right? Last week there were three men. This week, it describes two men who turn, but then there's still the Lord. And so it seems that the three men are two angels, or, you know, <laughs> that, that can still be interpreted, but two angels, and then the Lord. And the Lord's talking to Abraham. Um, but Abraham begins to ask, you know, Lord, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Right? What, what if there's 50 righteous in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? This is verse 23. We you still wipe them away? Like, is that just of you? Won't, won't you be just and not wipe away the, the righteous with the wicked? And then he keeps notching it down. Right? And this is like super bold for yeah. Abraham to do. He yeah. 50, 45, 40. He gets it all the way down to saying, what if there's 10? And God says, "If there's for the sake of 10, I will not destroy the city. So I had a conversation with someone. Why did God stop at 10? Why did the conversation stop at 10? You got an answer? You know? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's a good well, question. An, an unnamed running friend of mine and I often okay. have theological discussions. Yeah. And uh, I was just talking to a congregation member, and it was awesome. We, we talked about like, how far could it have gone down, yeah. and is there a sense in which, because is not Lot named in Hebrews 11? Is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like we often are like, well, Lot, you got spared, and you were unrighteous, just like the rest of them. But there is something. Uh, where is it? Um, I'm, see what I'm doing? We're doing this spur of the moment. Eleven five. You want to read it? You got it? Uh, no, not five. I'm trying to find it. Maybe it's not in here. See, I'm not starting this podcast <laughs> over. He's gonna call me and be like, "You embarrassed me." Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Is, is is Sodom mentioned in Hebrews eleven? No, it's not Hebrews eleven. Then, Dad gone. How about you, listeners? If you know what, oh Jim's man, about, I want to start this whole podcast over. Let, We're not doing. Let it. us know. But no, I mean, this is good though. Actually, like this is like when you 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 see something and you think it might be somewhere else, you go check it out. Yeah. Right, and you see if it's there. All right. Um. So. So, but I'll say this on the number ten. I don't know exactly why, but 
part of, I think, what uh, there, there's several things that are emphasized. One is God's justice, right? He's not just going to wipe away the the right. righteous with the wicked. Like there, there's an emphasis on God's justice. There's an emphasis on Abraham's mediation, right? Abraham is the one through whom blessing to the nations is going to come, and so he's actually talking with God and, and accomplishing some some good here, so to speak. Um, but I think it, like I leave this text like, yeah. what city could you not find ten good people in? Like, right. Where? How could you not find ten righteous people? Like right. that seems like an easy thing, but as the story progresses, they get wiped out. Yeah. And so, to, to me, it seems to underscore, similar to what we saw in Genesis six with the flood, just the the total broad and deep sinfulness that's going on here. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite astounding just how much wickedness there has there has been, um, and it's also. All the promises we've seen of God to Abraham, it's also astounding for us as the reader to just acknowledge the same holy God who is going to grant restoration, keep his promises, those who are righteous by faith. He, he rewards those who trust him. Yeah. But he is a God of ruthless, yeah. ruthless execution of justice. Yeah. And, and I would add even the word like precise. Okay. Like in the sense that, yeah, um, if we think about a human level or a Greek god level, right, which is still a human level, <laughs> um, when anger happens, it, it of, often overflows the boundaries that it should be contained within. Right. You know, like kind of everybody receives that's it's smoke from another fire, that kind of idea. But God's anger here is very precise in that He's not going to punish the just with the wicked. So I was looking at Matthew, is it 16, no, 13, the parable of the weeds. Okay, yeah. Right, I mean, I remember preaching through that, just like, well, the weeds are, you know, are often growing among the wheat. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and there's, there's times in which, and there's a trust that's required for the Lord. The Lord will rightly gather the weeds. Yeah. And he will deal with them, and he's going to gather the wheat in his own barn. That's the way Jesus ends the yeah. parable in Matthew Thirteen thirty, yeah. and so you have this picture of Sodom, uh-huh. of the Lord not being unjust. Yeah, right. And yet He's still right, abundantly merciful. And so, going into nineteen, then right, the two angels they go to Sodom in the evening. They find Lot in the gate, uh, and Lot says, "Hey, come into my house. I'm going to keep you." And they said, "No, we're going to stay in this, the town square." Um, but he pressed them strongly, and they, they go to his house. Now, what follows this is, is, again, hard to read if you're really thinking about what's going on here. But it says that the men of the city, the men of Sodom, young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called out, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And so just gross immorality. Yep. Uh, like homosexual assault. You can't soften this. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's. It is dark. Yeah. And evil. And and even but then even Lot, verse six, <sighs> Lot goes out, closes the door after me. He's talking to, kind of his kinsman or well, his countrymen. He says, "I beg you, my brothers, don't act so wickedly." Well, good good call. Okay. Yeah. But then verse 8, Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only don't do this to these men. What in the world, Lot? Why? 
why is there not an explanation of the wickedness of this for us? Yeah. You know? Um, again, there's times in the Old Testament when we are, or and the New, but we are not giving prescription of any kind, obviously. Right. This is just, there's not, nothing close. You couldn't even touch that. Right. But we're not having also kind of ourselves satisfied with getting the explanation. Yeah. And there's no explanation. Sure. This is just right. what happened. Yeah. And, you know, I think if we zoom out a little bit, right, Genesis 6 is helpful. So right, 6 to 8 where, with the flood. Right, God pours out his wrath on the entirety of the world because sin is so bad. Here, it's happening on a smaller scale, but it's the same level of destruction yeah. on that smaller scale. Right, God is going to rescue a few people out of a city, but it's because, I mean, the, this sin is, is totally unrestrained. Yeah. In the city, but then even Lot, like saying this about his daughters. I mean, it's, again, it's hard to read, but we, we get a sense of how dark it is. And so, um, basically, the angels come to the rescue. Yep. Uh, they bring Lot into the house. They strike the men with blindness. The men continue to grope at the door, and they, they cry out. Yeah, so, so yeah. just keep going. Well, well, you'll keep going, but... Let's not. I don't want to miss that. Okay. The the Lord and the angels of the Lord. Yeah. It's a supernatural rescue yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. Right. Because we're going to see super ruthless judgment come. Yeah. yeah. But let us not miss. I don't want to miss this. It's the angels who God supernaturally does something to inflict. Yeah. Pain, suffering on yeah. the perpetrators of the sin, and also to save Lot. R- rescue Lot and yeah. his family. Yeah. And so they, they say they're going to, they say, get, get, get your family, Lot. And in verse 14, Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, up, oh, get out of this place. The Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. So even like most of his yeah. family won't even listen to this. There's mockery. I mean, again, it, it kind of sounds like Noah's day. Yeah, it's, you yeah. Know? <laughs> just another day in Sodom. Like, like yeah, whatever. And so then, finally, uh, they say, up, take your daughter, your, your, your wife, and your two daughters who are here, right? Take your, your household, you four, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But 16, but he lingered. Like, <laughs> Lot's got some things right in this, but obviously a lot off. So the men seize him and his wife, takes two daughters by hand, and then this phrase, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out of the city. So, like, Lot in this story doesn't show as a righteous person. Okay, this is... Thank, again, my brain goes, why does stuff come out of my mouth? I don't know. All right. I remember more directly the, the description of Lot is so trial. The Lord's merciful to him because he's not as righteous as he should be, and yet the whole dialogue with Abraham is, Lord, would you save it for a righteous person? Uh-huh. And we'll, I think what Matt and I were talking about in our run, if I'm not mistaken, is just the way that you see people, even in Hebrews 11, that are yeah. not fully righteous. They haven't done that which yet. But what is righteousness? Yeah. Even from Genesis 15, we've seen, it's, right. it's trusting Claim God. The Lord by faith. So yeah. there's some point at which Lot is called righteous, for he's going to be spared. Yeah. What is the connection to make him righteous? Where is that? Because yeah. then very there shortly thereafter in, this, in the story, he's not, he's not acted righteous. Yeah. He, he needs... He's forced to flee right. by the angels of the Lord as an act of mercy. Yeah. He's pushed out of the way of the bus. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't listen and go on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Not swiftly, anyway. And so they get out, and um, 
he says, hey, let's go to Zoar. They say, that's fine. So they go to Zoar. And then 23, sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities in all the valley, all the inhabitants of the cities, on, and what grew on the ground. So total obliteration, right? Absolute destruction. 26, but Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. So... Not only what four people weren't rescued, three, right? Four right. come out of the city, but only three are really rescued. Right. Um, so what what's going on with Lot's wife? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a well known right, you know this is in our culture, but it's a interesting comment. I mean, she looked back. Was she longingly looking back? Is that where she wished she still was because she didn't trust you know or it appears that the overthrow of the city has already happened, so she's looking back at the destruction. Yeah. So it can't be. So yeah, she's not looking back longingly. Yeah, of, does it? Yeah. I want to still be in what was there because uh-huh. what's there is destroyed. I don't know, but I don't think the text is saying that she she look looked back in such a way as just to notice it. Yeah, I don't think it's just like a physical. You know, her eyes happen to see it. There's a boom behind me, so I turn around to look. Yeah. Seems to be a heart connection there, right? Um, so then Abraham goes out he sees it right there's smoke like the smoke of a furnace going up and then I found verse 29 very helpful so it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived and so all of this about Lot does come back and gets connected to Abraham which is I mean that's what we saw earlier a couple chapters ago right Lot gets captured and who goes and rescues him Abraham yeah, so I guess the question is, is, is remembering Abraham mean remembering that Abraham interceded? Remembering, or is it remembering the promise given Kind of the Abraham? initial promise, yeah. Probably yes. Both, yeah. 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 So the story continues, and then it gets even more complicated. Yeah. For Lot's going to go to live up out, outside, the, outside of this place of Zoar in the hills. His daughters realize how old their father is, that because everyone's been destroyed... There's no one that's going to come to them for them to be married, for them to have have children. And so they decide to preserve the name of their father by means of seducing him with alcohol, yep. with drunkenness, and they each lay with him. Yeah. And that's the way the chapter yeah. ends. Yeah, and that, I mean, it, it continues to underscore, right, the sinfulness, the depravity going on here, right, that even, even the, Lot and his daughters weren't, weren't righteous. Would we say that now there's... Only one at the end of the story that is functionally righteous because his daughters. I don't even know if I would call Lot righteous. And yet that's where I'm at. You know? And yet, the Lord allows the description of righteous to be what runs at the beginning of the chapter. Um, And the Lord is merciful to those who are going to receive it as opposed to those who stiff arm his mercy at some level. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a very complicated chapter of God's justice and God's authoritative mercy like he makes the rescue happen right right yeah so one thing um near the end of this 37 and 38 um again thinking about why why why, like why did moses include this in in his account of genesis why did god have him do that who's he writing to what would this mean to those original israelites well 37 the firstborn 
the firstborn daughter bore a son. His name was Moab. He's the father of the Moabites. The younger bore a son named Ben-Ami. He's the father of the Ammonites. And so every time throughout the rest of the Old Testament we see Moabites, Ammonites, like this is who they are. They're, they're kind of these uh, inbred cousins of Abraham and the Israelites. Um, and so like this, is, like this is helpful even, and there's been other discussions I've had over the last two weeks where like when they get up into Canaan, like there's different people who are like the Canaanites. Right? These are people not strictly the Canaanites. These are kind of related to the Israelites, mm-hmm. but they're not. I mean, they, they give Israel some problems mm-hmm. a lot of you know along the way. Uh, but it's helpful to like who these people are. I guess is the point I'm making matters in the rest of the story. Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, it's so unfamiliar when we get to these names. We're just like, oh, there's foreigners. This, there. Yeah, 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 foreigner. You know? Yeah, and it's like, well, these are specific people. So that's just side comment. Well, let let me turn us toward like. New Testament connection with the gospel yeah, in yeah. a way that's more clear than I've already failed to do. What do we do with God being this immediate in his judgment uh-huh. so holistically? Right? I mean, he just, he destroyed, well, it's not immediate because he was merciful to even allow Sodom and Gomorrah to be as wicked but as they But when he acts, it's, yeah. When he acts, it's decisive it's, in the moment yeah, inside of history. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, a city is gone. Yeah. Do you have anything that comes? I mean, I've got one New Testament connection that, that helps me personally because what happens, I think, often is people say, This is the God of the Old Testament. Yeah, okay, okay. Not the yeah. God of the New Testament. Yeah. God of the New Testament is just loving and merciful and wouldn't, you know? Yeah, you keep going. I've got a thought, but it might be a little bit of a. Okay, well, angle. the thought that I go to is partly because of where I'm reading the book of Acts. Uh huh. But I just think right after the early chapters of the, the church exploding <laughs> yeah. and the glory and the goodness yeah. of God's. Yeah provision for his people they have all things in common they're adding to the number daily those that are being saved as the resurrection of jesus preached it is just a fun amazing time the gospel's going out the spirit of god is present pentecost has come and then we come to ananias and sapphira right and they do not live honestly before the apostles when they sell a piece of property they say they sold it for one amount they only give a certain amount of proceeds to the church yeah and they're caught in a lie one after the other Falls over dead. Boom. Instantaneously. Yeah, yeah. And it says in the book of Acts, is it five, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That the people were in fear. Yeah. Like yeah. the church. Yeah. And not just the yeah. world, but like the church who who was celebrating God's goodness, celebrating God's yeah. kindness. Now all of a sudden we have instantaneous judgment on those who were not righteous, yeah. who were not living honestly before the Lord, who obviously had no concern for the Lord. So at, w- at one level or another... Let the reader wrestle with the consistency yeah. of who the God of the Scriptures is, which yeah. should be very shocking to us when we consider our own negligence to repent of sin, our own casualness, yeah. our own... Yeah. I don't think I can directly parallel the New Testament with the Old, but what, what I do parallel is the immediate uh-huh. consequence. Uh-huh. Radical. Uh, that's great. Um, there, In one of your sermons some months ago, you used a phrase of, Something comes all at once, like slowly and all at once. Do you remember what I'm talking about? You don't even remember. Man. Uh, Man, I don't... I, there's a lot. Of I forget, but it's, it's good. Maybe somebody listening will. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like God's judgment is slow in coming and it's immediate. Yeah. Kind of okay. depending on how you look at it. It's like for Sodom uh, and Gomorrah, I mean, this was a long time in the making. <laughs> um, 
kind of their their sins got heaped up. Uh, but then when God was going to pour out His judgment, like the, it, 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 there's a period at the end of that sentence. There's yeah. no oh, and you might repent after that. You know, like they're they're wiped out. Ananias and Sapphira, like they're they're dead. Yeah. Like there's a finality to it in those cases. Um, and so what it makes me think is like we don't. I mean, there, there's times, New Testament, Old Testament, either one, where we see that kind of finality to God's judgment. But then there's other times where we don't see that finality. It's slow and coming. Why, right? are, you, why, why are you not acting? You know, that so Second Peter 3 talks about this, says that there's going to be people who are scoffing, like, where's the promise of God's coming? Right? And, and, and then it says, don't overlook that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. The Lord's not slow to fulfill promise as some count, as some count slowness, but is patient not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so, like, reading this story, reading these kind of stories of the immediacy is, is really like a, it's, it's an early alarm bell that goes off that should really tell all of us, like, there is coming a finality to all judgment, finality to all options to repent. And if we don't heed those early warning bells, we're going to meet the last one, and there's no, and then to it yeah and so I guess we should see the Lord's patience in you know like we should not presume upon the Lord's patience right but act because we know that God's judgment's coming and he's just being patient right now so that's fantastic and I think the another connection I would make in light of that patience is we do read in this text that that's that lot lingered yeah so at one level or another he was just not in a hurry yeah. like he should have been yeah and so if you're talking about God's patience so we can't repent right now, I think acknowledging that in God's kindness there are times when we've been forced to no longer linger. Yeah. And I don't know how to make that play out, but I mean, I just people who keep saying, <laughs> I can keep dabbling on this, or it's not going to... And there are times in which God, in His mercy and kindness, He forcefully, usually by exposure of one kind or another that's radical, yeah. He forces, forces us to stop lingering. Yeah. And we do see that... Um, and, and that's an act that's of well, rescue when God does that for his own children. That's well said. Yeah. And so he rescues Lot forcefully. Yeah. And I just am thinking through how often I need to think through that in my own life, in the lives of people I love, in the lives of people we've pastored, there has been forceful mercy. And it usually does not, to the person in the moment, feel like mercy. Uh-huh. It feels like an inconvenience. It feels problematic. I mean, how many marriages do we know yeah. that are experiencing forceful mercy because radical things must change because it can't continue? Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't know. That's I mean, good. That, that, that's strong. Of course, we can't not have the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. That the most, most ruthless moment of wrath yeah. falling down to the earth such that all the heavens went dark. Yeah. It wasn't something like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. It was... In Jerusalem, when the temple curtain was torn and God was spending his wrath on our sin, on his own son. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we can't just go to touchy-feely feelings right. about, hey, I've had forceful mercy in my life. And we have to go to the very yeah most real example right. of this in the scriptures. Is well, and I, I think we can come back and connect that real quick with Abraham's intercession. Because his intercession hinges on... Is God going to find a handful of righteous people? And we could and we could play that out across history. Now we, I kind of want to say this in two ways. Like we know from Genesis 15, right? We, we are declared righteous by faith. Yeah. But that's through Christ. But if we 
If we just kind of pause on that for a second, will God destroy all humanity even if there were five, right, ten righteous people across all of humanity? When the, the point I'm trying to make is that there's no, like there's zero. There's zero. There are zero perfectly righteous people there's in humanity. One. Like there's, there's no, again, like Abraham could barter that down to one, bargain it down to one. And, and there's still destruction, if not for God's mercy. And we receive God's mercy because he actually poured out his wrath on the one, the only one, yeah. who, who was, was righteous. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the only one who didn't deserve it. So the second half of today's podcast is going to be the book of Romans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's stunning. Um, let me, I'm gonna, I want to go one more place. Do it. Um, so, I mean, Sodom, right, that people in our culture who've never read the Bible know that word. Like, this, this is a, a paradigmatic story. And it's a paradigmatic throughout the rest of the Bible. Like, we, we see this destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah get used at different points in Scripture to illustrate judgment. Yeah. Um, or the, the coming of judgment. And so, um, that, that, this is kind of a zooming out from this forest or this tree into the broader forest of Scripture. Thank you. Um, I mean, if you go read the end of Judges, you see this same story, and it's almost the exact same language that's used. But it's talking about uh, I forget which tribe it is, but it's talking about God's people, right? That the one of His tribes, and maybe it's Dan. I that's guess what right. I was thinking. Was Dan. Um, but they, the, the same story of of offering hospitality, but then the men coming and requesting. Um, this homosexual assault on them, and then daughters being, or a, a yeah, daughter or the wife, concubine being offered, uh, and it is gross. And so, but the point there in Judges is that Sodom story doesn't just happen outside of God's people, because in Judges, that is God's people who are committing that kind of atrocity. And so we we see that, and then we we see. In the New Testament, um, Sodom and Gomorrah gets brought up in Revelation, gets brought up by Jesus um, in his teachings, that Sodom is, is this paradigmatic picture of sin unrestrained and God's judgment that's coming. Yep. Uh, but in the Gospels, he even says, like, the men of Sodom will, be, will raise up. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, oh, they're going to attack me. the generation that's rejected Jesus. Yeah, so, like, rejecting Jesus is... More unexcusable Sodom than Sodom. Sodom shows up again in Revelation. Yeah, and I'm, th- I'm trying to think of where, but I'm not saying where anything <laughs> is in the Bible. I'm so trigger shy. If you want, if you want me to be quiet for thirty minutes, or at least just let me talk the first five minutes, and if I get it way wrong, yeah. And so, so here's, I guess, just to land that plane. Here's my thought: is that we need to see this story, like what it's doing with Abraham and Lot. Like that's part of this, and, and that helps us apply to us. But part of what's going on in this story too is God showing us His judgment, and this is going to be a picture He keeps using over and over. And so, if like if we if we don't understand it in this story, we're not going to understand it when it comes up later. Yep. So that, that it does help fill in that bigger picture for us. As we go, don't have a gospel that doesn't include judgment as a theme. Mm-hmm. It's in the center of it. Mm-hmm. For those who have received mercy have been spared of the judgment we're due. Yeah. And so let all of us, as we meditate in light of what we have looked at, just, just yeah. part of it. It's good. Well,
look for force of mercy. Please God,